invite you to take your Bibles this morning and be turning with me to Mark chapter number 16 to the passage that we read just earlier a few moments ago. Mark chapter number 16. And I want to preach particularly on verse number 15 as it is contained here in the Word of the Lord. So let's read Mark 16 and verse number 15 once again together. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's have a word of prayer now. Our Father in heaven, we thank You for Thy Word. God, Your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God, Your Word is refreshment to our soul. And so, God, I pray today that You would take the Word that You have placed upon my heart to preach today, and that, God, that You'd allow it to be anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and that, God, that You would make this church a church that is consumed by the gospel, and that, oh God, that you'd allow this church to grow in accordance to thy will, and God, that we would be able to see many souls brought into the kingdom of the dear Son of God, and that, God, this place would be filled, that we would go into the highways and hedges and compel men to come in, that your house may be filled. Oh God, would you allow us to catch a vision? Would you allow us, Lord, to know something of the truth that is contained in this great commission verse? We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The marching orders of the church is what I've entitled the message this morning. The marching orders of the church. Today the church is confused more than ever as it regards its main mission. Many today believe that the mission of the church is wrapped up in the cause of social justice. You know, I was just speaking to a pastor friend just this week. And he was speaking to me about a church in his local community here in South Carolina that had a bunch of political signs in front of a church. And he said, because of these political signs, the attendance is going down. And it is a sad thing today that many churches are not only wrapped up in the idea of social justice, but they are wrapped up in the idea of politics. And this is what they preach. They preach politics. They preach one political party or the other. There are churches that are not only wrapped up in social justice and politics, but there are churches that are caught up in a social gospel, where they say, we got to do all the good for the society, and we got to clothe the poor and feed the hungry. And those are good things, and things that the church should be involved in, but the primary thing has been left out, and that is the gospel message itself. Other people have reduced the church's main mission to simply a simple moralism, that you just be a good person, you live by the Ten Commandments, and you live out the Sermon on the Mount. Other churches are caught up in liberalism. And this was a case from where I came in the state of Maine with many of the congregational churches where they had their rainbow flags flying on the outside of their buildings where they denied the inerrancy of Scripture and the divinity of Christ and the virgin birth. Many churches are caught up in that. Other churches are caught up in their building projects and wanting to build and expand. And that's right in its proper place. But they have left out the gospel. 
But what is our marching orders? What is it that Christ has said to you and I as the body of Christ? What is the church's main mission? Our mission here as the Covenant Free Presbyterian Church is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. To that extent, we can have an effect, this church can have an effect, where, as it were, the sun never sets upon the ministry of this church through giving to missions, through giving in prayer for others, that in a real sense the sun could never set upon this ministry because of the extent of it. We are to preach the gospel to every creature. We are to be a gospel-centered church with a zeal for the souls of men. And it is a sad thing that in many of our Reformed churches, many men that would hold to the supreme and glorious doctrines of the grace of God and the sovereignty of God and election and predestination have allowed such truths to make them grow cold and their evangelistic effort and their love for the souls. But my friend, can I remind you that the greatest evangelists, the greatest preachers of the gospel in America and in other countries have been men that have held these glorious doctrines of grace and have preached them. Spurgeon was a great example of that. Whitfield was a great example of that. Jonathan Edwards was a great example of that. So it's sad that so many churches have substituted the preaching of the unadulterated gospel with agendas and politics and other novelties. But may this church be a church that magnifies Christ and preaches the unsearchable riches of Christ. More than ever, we need men with a backbone of steel and grit in their soul and a hide like a rhinoceros. That's what Vance Hafner, the old preacher, used to say. We need men that will take an open Bible, then trust God that God will open up the hearts of sinful people to the gospel. Away with everything but Christ. Exalt no one but Christ. And proclaim no one but Christ. And in our text we see the Great Commission is four things. I want you to notice with me in our text, it gives us the marching orders of what you and I are to do. Notice this Great Commission. Number one, is directional. He says, go. Number two, it is personal. He says, ye. It is national. He says, go into all the world. And it is instructional. Preach the gospel to every creature. So the Great Commission this morning is directional, it is personal, it is national, and it is instructional. We want to look, first of all, at its directional aspect. The Great Commission is directional. He said, go. You and I are called to put the go in the gospel. This was a command that they obeyed. Notice in verse number 15, he said, go ye into all the world. Then look with me at verse 20. And they went forth. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They put the go in the gospel. And this word for go here is actually a participle. It, meant, it means to be going, to be departing, to constantly be on the pursuit. 
The idea is the idea of being on a journey or continuing on a journey. And God is calling you and I and calling this church to the most exciting journey that there is. And it is to pursue men and women's souls that they would know Jesus Christ. Go. It's the same as we find in Matthew 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The early church would be a church that would follow this idea of going. You notice the progression. I want you to understand that before they went, before they would be going, there was something that they needed to have. You know, I find that many people are terrified of the idea of sharing their faith. They are terrified of the idea of sharing with someone the gospel. And no doubt these disciples, they needed something before they would go into all the world. And Jesus actually told them that they needed to wait until they went into all the world. Before they would go, they needed the power of the Holy Ghost. If you look with me in the book of Luke chapter number 24, just turn there with me to Luke chapter number 24. And Jesus is giving the Great Commission here in Luke chapter number 24. And notice what He says in verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Now notice what he adds now to this going and preaching repentance and remission of sin. He says in verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And the word endued there has the idea of being clothed with or robed with. He says, Before you go and preach this message, you need to be endued or clothed with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says that ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be my witnesses. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that would enable them to be a worldwide witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is something that you and I need so desperately today. And this is something that the church needs so desperately today. The power of the Holy Spirit. It is amazing. I remember listening to the old revivalist, Leonard Ravenhill from England. And he was one time speaking to a friend from South Korea or from some other Asian country. It might not have been South Korea. But Mr. Ravenhill said, what amazes you the most about the American church? And the man from Asia said, how much they can accomplish without the power of the Holy Spirit. And what a sad thing today. So many churches are, seem to be accomplishing much, but it's not in the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I, if we are going to go, we need to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist of early 1900s here in these United States, 
would take his students in Northfield, Massachusetts, and he would take them up a mountainside, and there they would pray until they had a definite experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost, and they would go out and preach the Word and mighty power and boldness. R.A. Torrey, the great fundamentalist of that time period, said that the desperate need of the church was a baptism of the Holy Spirit, where they were filled with the Spirit of God that would go out and preach the word and mighty power and authority. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking about some mystical experience where you fall out on the ground and roll around and speak in other languages. That is not of the scripture. But the scripture does indicate that there is the need of you and I, according to Ephesians chapter number 5, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And the word there, be filled with the Spirit, is in the continual sense. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Oh, you might be here today, or you might be listening, and you say, well, Pastor, there was a day in my life where I was filled with the Spirit. Well, listen, you can still arrive at that point today. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit today and go out and serve Christ with great authority and power. There was something different that marked the lives of God's people down through the age and has been men and women filled with the Holy Spirit. Men that have accomplished much for Christ, women that have accomplished much for Christ have been men and women filled with the Spirit of God that have tarried until God has come down upon them in a mighty and refreshing way. And once these people were filled with the Spirit, you read in Acts 2, that once they were filled with the Spirit, that this filling of the Spirit empowered by the Spirit saw about 3,000 souls converted in one day. The gospel is, uh, the gospel in one message practically went into the known world. You read that in Acts chapter number 2. Just turn there with me. In Acts 2, in verse number 5, it says that there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Do you realize that in one message preached by the Apostle Peter that uh, there were people from every nation, so in a sense the gospel had reached every nation in one sermon. People from every nation under heaven. And these people that were converted brought the gospel back into their own area. And many of these areas that they brought the gospel back to was outside of the Roman Empire into their surrounding areas. And so this message was preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we need today is not lecturers behind a pulpit. We need men full of the Holy Spirit and fire in their soul. It was the founder of this denomination, Dr. Ian Paisley, that said this, that if a man catches on fire in the pulpit, men will come out to watch him burn. And I believe that it's just as true today as it was when he said it, that a man full of the Holy Ghost, with fire in his soul, that believes what he is preaching, the people will come out to hear the word of the Lord. And you'll notice what other also further going, not just the filling of the Spirit, well, what also furthered the going of the gospel in Acts 8 was the persecution that took place. In Acts 8 in verse number 1 you read that there was a persecution that came against the church and they were scattered everywhere preaching the word. And this reality is still present today, is it not? 
where there are people all around the world in various parts of the world that are persecuted for their faith and you find that many times that those countries where the persecution is the greatest, where the heat is the hottest, is where evangelism is the greatest. It is in the midst of intense persecution when people know that their life is on the line that they most greatly share their faith. The book of Acts is all about the going. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Going is directional. You might ask the question today, well, pastor, is there really a need to go today? Has not the Great Commission been fulfilled? Can I submit to you that there is an urgent need? There is an emergency for conservative, fundamental, reformed witnesses in the world today? You know, I was just thinking about as I've driven around South Carolina... And I've seen the amount of witnesses. And, and I know that not every church per se preaches the gospel, but this state is uniquely blessed, and the southern states are uniquely blessed. There are so many gospel-preaching churches. And I look at parts of the world, I look at parts of these United States, such as the Midwest, the West, and northern New England. They have such a need of churches. It is urgent. It is an emergency. There are people in communities around the world and in our own country that do not have gospel preaching churches in their community. I remember the town that I came from in northern Maine. It was not until 1967, I believe, that they had their first gospel preaching church in their community. It was dominated by French Roman Catholicism. Can you imagine that the United States that it took until 1967 for somebody to go to a community of over 5,000 people to preach the gospel to them? But yet there are communities scattered throughout this whole entire land that have not had a gospel witness in their community. The Joshua Project reports that there are some 7,402 unreached people groups in the world today. Multitudes in the Valley of Decision. 42.5% of the people groups of the world are still completely unreached. The Joshua Project also reports that the population that is unreached in the world is 3.22 billion people. That is 41.6% of the world. So what are you and I going to do to put the go in the gospel? What is this church going to do to put the go in the gospel? Our Lord only had one prayer request. Do you realize this? That if you were to read the Gospels, the Lord Jesus only gave one prayer request. And you know what his request was for? He said this, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He looked out and he said the fields are white unto harvest. And the only prayer request Jesus ever gave was to pray that we would, that we would see laborers go into the harvest. I don't know about you, but if Jesus was in prayer meeting tonight... And he had a prayer request, it would be that one. And that is the only thing he requested you and I to pray for, to pray that the gospel would expand and go out into all the world. So I ask you, are you praying for laborers? Are you praying for the, the, the parts of the world that have no gospel witness? Would you even say today, Lord, is it I? Lord, I see the need. And Lord, is it I that you want to use? The Lord is still asking the question of Isaiah 6 and verse number 8. 
Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? The Lord's still asking the question. Here, Jesus said, go ye into all the world. There is the directional, go. This is something we must do. We must go. But then notice, there is the personal aspect of it, go ye. Notice he did not say, go free Presbyterian church. He did not say, go pastors. He didn't say, go evangelist and missionary, go Sunday school teacher. He said, go ye. So you and I are to be actively involved in missions. Do you realize that even if you're not a preacher of the gospel, even if you're just simply a church member or a layman per se, that you are to have an active role in missions and reaching the world with the gospel. You say, well, pastor, how can I do this? Well, you can either hold the rope for those that go down into the well, or you can go down into the well yourself. But one way or the other, you will have scars on your hands. You can pick up the missionary prayer bulletin in the back. And you can pray for the needs of each ministry. And plan to visit a missionary if possible to be an encouragement and a help unto them. That's something you can do. You you could send cards to them of encouragement. You could send care packages in the mail. You could even take up a special love offering as a church for a missionary. You know, I was just reading in the June prayer bulletin about a man I've met two times that does not speak any English whatsoever. He's from the Dominican Republic, Ramon Sosa. And he's there in the Dominican Republic starting a free Presbyterian church. And in the prayer bulletin, he shared about his financial needs that he has. And I thought about that as I read it. I said, you know what? A church could help a missionary by taking up a special love offering and designating it for that. So how could you participate and help them? These are various ways that you can do this. There's so many different ways. You could pray for missionaries. We have the bulletins in the back that you can pick up and you can pray for them. And even though you might not be able to go there, you can go there as it were in the spirit and lift them up before the throne of grace. And you can ask God to bless their ministries. So here he says, go ye. Go ye means what? Go ye means leaving the ones that you may love behind. Mark 10 and verse number 29 and 30. Leaving mother and father, brother and sister. There is a cost to this. Salvation is free and it costs you nothing. But to follow Christ will certainly cost you something. It will cost you something to follow Jesus Christ. It will cost you something to go into the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. But know this, that if you leave your loved ones behind, and no doubt, even some of you that may be here and some of you that are watching, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you left some of your family behind. Why? Because they were not happy with your decision to call on Christ. They were not happy that you gave your life to the Lord Jesus. They were not happy that you left their religion behind. And now you have a desire to serve Jesus Christ. But can I remind you that the reward is great in heaven that you will receive one day. No man having left father and mother, sister or brother, he said that they will receive manifold more in the kingdom of heaven It's a life of sacrifice to follow Christ. But Christ also demonstrated to us a life of sacrifice. 
Jesus said in Mark 1.38, as a regard Him going, Jesus followed the Great Commission. Jesus said in Mark 1.38, that I must go into the next towns that I may preach there also. You know what a great vision it would be for a church to have? You know what churches are to be? Churches are to be churches that plant churches that plant other churches that plant other churches. You say, well, pastor, we can't think about that right now. We're a smaller congregation, and, and we need to focus on our own needs. And that is true. You need to focus on your own needs. But there should still be this burden within your heart and belief that God will build this church and that from building this church, He will see another church planted somewhere else, that that church will plant another church, and that church will plant another church, believing that God will grow and expand His kingdom. Amen. What about inner city Columbia? Is there not a need in any inner city Columbia? Is there not a need all around this area for someone to go to these people around this area and share with them the uh, wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, I thought about as I drove by from Greenville all the way down here. Now, I know there's a lot of churches. But as I drove by many people's homes, I wonder how many people, homes that I'm driving by, have ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many people on this road right here next to this church have ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel? This church has a responsibility to reach these people in this area. What about Augusta? Does not Augusta have a need for a solidly reformed witness? What about Charleston? What about Myrtle Beach? What about the smaller towns around this state? Do they not have a, a, a need for the gospel? You see, it is directional. Go, it is personal. Ye, go ye, the Lord Jesus lived this out. Go ye, then it is national. Go ye where? Go ye into all the world. You know, the marvelous thing about the gospel is it's not just for one ethnicity. It's not a white man's religion. It's not a black man's religion. It's not a red man's religion. It's not a yellow man's religion. It's not a pink man's religion. It's the religion of the Scripture. And this is what God wants us to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is seen in Acts chapter number 2 among the Jews. You see this in Acts chapter 8, 9, and 10. You see a wonderful progression in Acts chapter number 8, 9, and 10. You remember when Noah got off the ark that he had three sons. His three sons were Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And it's from those three sons that descended, as it were, all the ethnicities of the world today. In Acts chapter number 8, you remember that there is the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. And he is a son of Ham. And then in chapter 9, you have the conversion of Paul. He is a son of Shem. And then in chapter number 10, you have the conversion of the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the sons of Japheth. So you have the conversion of the whole entire, what would be a picture of the whole world in Acts 8, 9, and 10, Him, Shem, and Japheth. The gospel is meant to expand beyond the borders of Israel, and it has. The gospel was to envelop the Gentiles. We read that in Isaiah 54 and Isaiah 55, that we have a responsibility to make disciples of all the nations. We go into all the world. Why? Because He has promised the success of the mission. 
Do we really believe that the, you know, I hear so many people say it, and I, I want to be careful. So many people say that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. They say that there is no hope for America. They say we're just holding on till Jesus comes. Well, is that really a biblical perspective? Is that really somewhere that we should be as believers? Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus said, and he actually promised us the success of this mission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations. There is an era of a pessimistic view of the gospel. Many a person's eschatology, that is their end times view, make them doubtful of a mighty working of God in these days. Many a time we live in this North American bubble, and we just think that it's just the way it is. We see America, we see the downtrend in America, and we just assume that everywhere in the world is just like America. Can I remind you that everywhere in the world is not just like the United States? That there are things happening in other parts of the world that should cause us to rejoice? The Bible teaches a biblical optimism of the glorious gospel. We read this in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2 through 4, that in the last days, those are the days that we are in, God will exalt a mountain, exalt a kingdom, and He will make this kingdom so great that He will cause the nations to be drawn up unto it. Which speaks about the drawing of the nations to Jesus Christ. My friend, we have glorious hope today that God will draw the nations to Himself. So why should you and I go into all the world? Go ye into all the world. Because Christ died for people in all the world. He died for people in Canada. He died for people in Greenland. He died for people in Ecuador. He died for people in Brazil and in African countries and in Asia. All around the world, Christ died for a people. And He desires to redeem those people. And as I said, Christianity is not a white man's religion, a black man religion, a red man or a yellow man. It's a religion for all. And the church is to be open. Those that come in, we welcome them. And we want to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of their background, regardless of their ethnicity. They need Christ. And right from your place where you are, right in the place of prayer. You can be involved in the whole world, as I already said. As it were, you can be in the Spirit in Canada. You can be in the Spirit in the Dominican Republic, in Mexico, in Spain, in Liberia, in Uganda, and Kenya, and Nepal, and South Korea, Australia, to the uttermost parts of the earth. You and I are to pray for these unreached people groups. Go ye into all the world. This church, and you must ever keep it before your eyes, is to keep this truth in your heart. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have a responsibility even here at this church to be involved in missions and to participate in those things. And then he says it is instructional, not only directional and personal and national, but then he says we are to preach the gospel to every creature. That's our instructions. That's our marching orders. Preach the gospel. And this word to preach is the Greek word caruso. And it is actually in the imperative here. And it means to be a herald. This is a command to you and I today. This is not a message that is to be whispered. 
God save us from lecturers and monotone preachers in the pulpit. Lord, give us heralds that preach with conviction and with grit in their soul that believe what they are saying. Why would someone want to come into a church and listen to a man that doesn't believe what he is preaching, that doesn't preach as if he believes what he is preaching, that just talks his way through his message and has no desire to herald the word? You say, what is a herald? A herald was someone that after a battle maybe had taken place and the army had won the war, let's say the Roman army, that the herald would run and he would come to the city center and he would lift up his voice and he would declare the victory that had been won. And that is exactly what the preacher is to be. He is to be a herald of the word of the Lord. We are not to talk the gospel. We are told to stand in the square, as it were, and lift up our voice like a mighty trumpet. Every creature today needs a preacher. Every creature needs a preacher. Every creature, every person in Lexington and the surrounding area needs the gospel. And I pray that we believe that. But if we say, all right, well, they need the gospel, how are we going to get the gospel to them? Preach the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that whosoever believes on him shall be saved that Jesus Christ as he hung there upon the tree between heaven and earth, he became sin for us who knew no sin in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him that all the wrath that our sin deserved came coming down and hurling down upon Christ and he drank every last drop of the bitter cup of sin in the wrath of God and he cried out father I thirst and God poured upon him the iniquity of his people and Jesus Christ there died upon the tree for you and for me and only did he die upon the tree but he resurrected the third day and ascended up into heaven and ever lives to make intercession for you and for me and if we would but believe that glorious message we would be saved and that is the message that this world this community needs to hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have a responsibility to get it out into our communities. But this instruction is more than simply preach the gospel. In Matthew 28 and verse 19, the parallel passage, he also includes discipling. Discipling the nations, teaching them, instructing them. Those who receive the gospel need to be instructed in the gospel. So those that get saved, they need to be in a church where they can hear the Bible, where they can grow in the grace and in the knowledge that be in Jesus Christ, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This is something that will take a lifetime and more. You think about it, Jesus spent three years with his disciples, teaching them the word, and still he did not teach them everything that they could possibly know. We are to teach all men the word of God. This is why it's important that each time the church has a service, we are there that we might be instructed in the word of the Lord. But not only did he say that we are to disciple, but he also said we are to preach, we are to disciple, then we are to baptize. Heathen converts are to be baptized. And this is a vital part of the Great Commission, to, to be baptized so I asked you the question this morning. 
Have you been baptized? Maybe you have believed on Christ, but you have never ever been baptized. If not, why? It's actually commanded of you to be baptized. And this is uh, something that you and I are to do. It represents our union with Jesus Christ. Preaching, instructing, and baptizing is the mission of the New Testament church. And these are our marching orders. So what are you, what are we doing as a church here to preach the gospel to every creature in Lexington? What could we do to preach the gospel to every creature? Let me give you some suggestions that you can bounce off your head. Maybe door-to-door work. Going door-to-door, sharing the gospel. That's something that we could do. Maybe a tent evangelistic meeting. Holding a special outdoor meeting. And inviting people and doing advertising. And inviting people to come from the community to hear the gospel that they might be saved. Maybe some sort of radio ministry. There are things that you can do to get the gospel out in your community. The question is, are we concerned enough to do it? What are we willing to do? What are some things we can do to see people say, the only way this church will grow is by seeing people converted to Jesus Christ. And we must have a burden. And we must follow this commission. We must go into all of Lexington and preach the gospel to them. Because every one of them needs a preacher. And may this church, in conclusion, strive to be a great commission-minded church. May there be an intense desire for souls among you. And may there be an action taken on your part to bring the gospel into this community. So I call you this morning, number one, to go. Just like we read here, go. You say, Pastor, what does God want me to do? He wants you to go. He doesn't want us to sit on the seat of do nothing. He wants us to go. He wants you to consider your responsibility. He wants you to pray for laborers for the world. And he wants you to preach the gospel to every creature. So ask the Lord to enlarge your vision. Ask the Lord to make the heathen your inheritance. Psalm 2 and verse number 8. Ask of me and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. Plead with the Lord to see the great commission fulfilled in this city. All things are possible to him that believeth. You know, not too long ago, Right down in downtown Columbia, at the First Presbyterian Church, there was a minister by the name of Henry Thornwell. He was a wonderful preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was during that time that this area experienced a great movement of the Lord. And if God did that back during the time of the Civil War, then could not God do something like that today? The God that moved in days gone by, could He not do the very same today? The God that moved 50 years ago, can He not do the same today? Or is God simply dead? And God not able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think? Or have we grown cold in our hearts and has doubt filled our minds? Are we just hoping that we're going to hold on till Jesus comes? Or are we going to do something to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? My friends, I submit to you, we must do something while we have time. Robert Murray McShane, the great Scottish preacher, died at age 29 in the 1800s. He carried a little pocket watch with him. 
And on the back engraved on that pocket watch was this scripture verse. Work, for night is coming when no man can work. And that is true. What are you and I to do? We are to work. Because night is coming, the sun is setting, and there will come a day in our life when we can no longer work. Either Jesus will come, or we will die and go through the valley of the shadow of death. So while we have life, let us do something for Jesus Christ. What is the marching orders of the church? It is directional, go, it is personal, ye, it is national into all the world, and it is instructional, preach the gospel to every creature. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. We thank you for your goodness. And God, how things like this convict our heart. God, we admit unto you, Lord, this morning. God, and I think every Christian would that, God, we are not as zealous for the gospel as we ought to be. God, we are not as believing you as we ought to. God, there are many times that doubt arises in our heart, and we doubt your promises. But God, we thank you. The God that you answer prayer despite our doubt. The God that you are good. How we pray for this area of Lexington. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that God, that even this moment, that thou, God, wouldst begin to move in hearts and souls and show them their dire need of Christ. God, I pray for this church. God, I pray, O oh God, that in the weeks and months to come, that God, there would be visitors that would come into this church, even those that are lost, that they would sit underneath the sound of the gospel and come underneath conviction and be newborn babes in Christ. There's nothing to revive and to encourage the church as seeing people converted to Christ. And oh God, how we pray that, oh God, that you would allow this church to flourish and to prosper. And that God, that there would be some effort and some work that this church could do. That God could see people reach for Jesus Christ in these days. God, how we pray for the advancement of this church. God, we believe that you have allowed this church to be here for a purpose. And God, it is our desire to see it advance and to grow and to prosper. God, we pray that you would even give wisdom to the elders in the session that oversee this work. That God, that thou wouldst give wisdom in the weeks and months and, and time ahead, even to the elders and to this church as regards a pastor in the future. That God, that you'd bring them the man, oh God, that thou wouldst uh, have to be here. And God, we just pray that you would be glorified in all that's said and done. God, we are so mindful that this is thy day. And God, even as we go home this afternoon, might we meditate and think upon the things that we have heard. And God, might we even, as we hear the word of God, even this evening, through whatever means it would be that we would use, that, oh God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, we need you so desperately. God, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. How we pray, oh God, that thou wouldst fill us to the uttermost, that we might be mighty witnesses for Jesus Christ. So God, we ask you that you would allow us to be dismissed with thy presence and with your power upon us, that we would know the comfort of the Holy Ghost in our hearts and in our souls. We ask it all in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.